Today, once again, we have spent our time wisely making best use of our precious human birth to develop the qualities of heart and mind that enable us to live with greater harmony, awareness, and less reactivity in our life. And even though this work is not easy, it may be the most difficult work that we'll ever do with ourselves. Nevertheless, it is a path with a guarantee that if we do develop this path, it will bring our hearts to a greater ease in living in the world. And to the extent that we are able to understand our own suffering and the causes of suffering and able to be calmer in the face of challenging situations, then we are powerful. We are a powerful example to others who also suffer with stressful conditions in life, but may not have the opportunity or the inclination to hear and practice these teachings. So in some stealth way, our practice has a conditioning influence on everyone that we come in contact with uh, in our life. This, this is a good way to spend our time. So may the merit of all the work that we've done today, all the work that we've done this week be the cause and the condition for all beings everywhere to be able to live in harmony, to live with awareness, and to ultimately be free. Anicca vata sankara upadava yadamino upakitava niruchanti te sam upasamo sukho all conditioned things are rising and passing away. And understanding this deeply brings the greatest happiness, which is peace. So, after I'd been in Asia for a couple of years, I'd been in Burma the first year and a half and had to leave Burma to go back, to go out of the country so I could get a visa to come back in. That's the way it works over there. And um, so I got in for my second time in Burma. And it was just before, it was in 1988, just before the uh, dictator of the past 30 years decided to resign. So there had been this dictator, Nguyen, in Burma for 30 years, and he was particularly not good. And he just 
spontaneously one day just decided to resign and quit. And the population of people thought, oh good, no dictator, then we can vote for who we want. And there was a lot of agitation then for democracy. And in fact, the whole government, the whole country, everything in the country went on strike and just stopped working for like uh, six weeks. And every day there were these huge uh, rallies downtown in front of the American embassy, uh, people wanting, uh, expressing their aspiration for uh, democracy or a change of government. And during that time, it was pretty dangerous, you know, in, in the country because uh, the, the, even the military and the police weren't able to keep order. And so it was pretty threatening time. And uh, I think Franz was there too. We were in, there in the monastery and after about six weeks of this kind of exuberant excitement by everybody that there was going to be a change in the political leadership of the country, the military was beginning to feel a little threatened. And so they engineered an incident where uh, some military people were attacked. And so they responded one night. So we're in the monastery and, you know, about nine o'clock at night, 9.30 at night, we heard these firecrackers and, you know, some kind of fireworks or something going on in the suburbs around us. And then we heard these loudspeakers going on. And basically the military had retaken control of the country and it wasn't fireworks that we were hearing, it was machine guns. And so they were announcing that there was martial law and that uh, groups of three or four or more, I can't remember the number, but it was either three or four, uh, could not meet and uh, they would be shot on sight, any group of more than three or four people. And it just was like terrorized the country. So in the matter of a few days, uh, all of the people that led all of the marches for democracy and freedom in front of the American embassy, you know, the group of the nurses and the group of the doctors and the group of the teachers and the group of the students and the group of the mechanics, all of the leaders of those groups had been photographed while they were leading their uh, cohort of people. And over the course of the next uh, few days, they all disappeared. So anyone who had any political leadership or uh, leadership of any group was removed from the country. And so that effectively defeated the uh, organization of anyone for democracy. And so people were really terrified. And because the country was on strike still, uh, in the monastery they asked everybody to leave, except the foreigners at that point, because they couldn't feed them. And uh, there were reports that the there was no food coming into Rangoon. It just was really pretty 
pretty scary times. But being in the monastery, I figured was the safest place to be because generally the military isn't going to bother the monasteries unless there's, and in those days, or certainly in the monastery that we were in, there was no political activism among any of the monks. They were totally uh, forbidden to do anything like that. So I thought it was pretty, we were pretty safe, but in the suburbs all around us, there was no law and order, so to speak. But I was going on alms round then, and in fact, I was leading the, the group of monks from Mahasi Center through on the alms round. It was about a three mile uh, walk through the suburbs and parts of the city and little village places. And uh, every day when we would go, we would see where there were um, skirmishes during the night and cars were burning and overturned and roadblocks were set up. And sometimes we were going through, we would have to go through military roadblocks and sometimes we'd have to go through the roadblocks that the villagers had set up in all their suburbs to keep people that didn't live in that suburb out. And they would open the gates for us or move aside the barricades and we could go through. And uh, during that time, the people of Burma were really unnerved and uh, really disappointed. And there was a lot of atrocities being committed on both sides by the military and the, and the opposition. And in some ways, the monks going out in the suburbs every day, no matter what happened overnight and what was happening, was a kind of a, a support for the people in those villages because mostly the monks didn't have anything to lose. They weren't political. They, weren't, uh, they were kind of a force of good and a force of fearlessness. They're, they didn't fear the military and they didn't fear what was going on. And so in some ways they were great a daily reminder to the people that were, you know, being terrorized that uh, even in the midst of the apparent political economic chaos that you still could live with a very simple and calm demeanor. And in the monastery it really was pretty, pretty routine. Things didn't change too much, except that some of the people who were running away from the military came and ordained quickly and disappeared into the tribe of monks. And there were a few of those, and they were just hiding out, waiting for the heat to cool. And uh, so it was a great, actually, privilege to be there at the time and to be able to walk through the village. And I think especially uh, it's kind of funny, at that time there was not many foreigners in Burma, but to have a foreign monk in the group who was also unharmed and unperturbed by all the drama that was going on was um, a powerful signal of, of um, to the people that were suffering so much. 
uh, politically and economically that you know there really was no cause for fear and no cause for concern you know that there was uh, an island of safety uh, in their city and on Sundays usually Sundays the people could come to the monastery and meet with the monks and they could come anytime but mostly they were just kind of holed up or they were either working or holed up and then on Sundays they would come visit and kind of get their hit of uh, the calm and the kind of the non-hysterical way of living uh, in the city at that time. So in the same way, the way we have been practicing here and have got some stability in our own mind and some understanding of the possibilities of living more sanely uh, in our world. When we leave here tomorrow and we go back to our families and our communities and our social scene, our civic responsibilities, uh, you'll be something of an example of uh, the way to live a little more sanely in the uh, craziness that uh, goes for ordinary society where we live. And it's not like you have to do anything, you don't have to wave any banners or you don't have to kind of make a show of it just by the clarity of your own uh, demeanor and the calmness of your own response to the way things are and just your compassionate uh, connection with people is a powerful uh, message to them whether they recognize it or not, subliminally even, that there's goodness in the world. So all of our efforts here is really powerful um, support for those in our society who, who care to live more sanely. Although they may not have the resources or the opportunity to here and practice the Dhamma. So thank you for your efforts. <laughs>